Hello, hello, and welcome to Art Pop Talk. I'm Gianna. And I'm Bianca. So, what did I miss? I've come home to this, headfirst into a political abyss, Gianna? We have our first Art Pop Talk today, so I guess I better think of something to say. (laughs) I'm already on my way to get to the bottom of this. Gianna, what did I miss? We know we've been away for far too long, so today's Art Pop Talk will be dedicated to important housekeeping updates and all things that we missed over break that we must discuss. Ah, feels so good to say, Gianna, let's Art Pop Talk. Oh Oh my gosh, (laughs) we are back. We are back. I am seeing Chitty Chatty and the doc. And I am way too excited. (laughs) I highlighted it for us. It's been so long since we've had a Chitty Chat. Oh my gosh, Gianna, we need the tea. We need the update. Summer recap. Summer recap. Well, you guys, I watched Hamilton a lot (laughs) with (laughs) Phoebe. Phoebe is reading a book about Hamilton. Therefore, you know, I've been getting a lot of Hamilton historical facts that, you know, we've been super into the summer. It's been a hot girl Hamilton summer. Uh, Watched the musical. Phoebe has been seeing it so much that I have, (laughs) I am like 10 years behind. Like now I'm listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. So um, I hope you all thought that my intro for you all was, was punny or is it just like wow Gianna that was so five years ago (laughs) it was funny because I saw your little Davi Diggs first of all I'm I'm always here for like a Davi Diggs moment like I know I know and um I was working in the dock and yesterday Andrew had some friends over and one of the people oh who were they playing D&D she started singing um the Skylar sister songs oh I think it's because they were playing like a character's name was like Angelica oh and it was like Angelica Angelica. (laughs) and I have had no Hamilton references this summer (laughs) and then I get two in one day and I was it was just one of those moments I was like oh it's it's our pop talk time yeah well you know I feel like Hamilton kind of had a little bit of a resurgence in the pandemic because it was released on Disney plus so like totally you know this is just still an extension of my pandemic experience, perhaps, um, my pandemic summer. Um, but no, other than that, we definitely have uh, some very exciting updates in the house of Gianna and Theban. A lot of listeners know, uh, or should know for the most part, that Theban is originally from Malaysia. And so he has lived in the United States for about seven years have some very exciting news to share that he got his green card after wow. yes about three years for working for this company outside of you know college like this post-graduation mm-hmm. so we're so so lucky and feeling good hence also like you know the Hamilton experience oh, been for like, sure. what's up like immigrants like <laughs> yes like so we've been feeling it um, oh my gosh I would so, love to celebrate by watching Hamilton with Theban yeah that sounds so fun <laughs> it's been a lot so <laughs> I'm sure. it's we've been pumped um so that was super exciting and we also have some actual wedding updates which is super fun uh, we have set a date for our wedding, so next September, Theban and I will be married September 2023. Look out 
September Brides on the way. So, yeah, I don't know. All of that also happened, like, not that long ago either. <laughs> like, this wasn't, this like... This is mostly recaps this is from, like, mostly the last week like, last July. week. Yeah, I made sure. It was, like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't have any updates, like, for the art pop charts. Like, I better, like, better get, get my life together. And then, by the grace of the United States, thank God, they're good for something. We got a lovely <laughs> notification oh the God. other day about the status of, uh, you know, this green card. So um, that is my Fast and Furious updates for you guys. I just feel like, Gianni, you are such a September bride. And I know. I wasn't going to sway you in one direction or the other in terms of picking a date, but I'm so happy you picked September because you, you like, are the epitome of September. I think so. You know, um, Audrey. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Yes, I am. And Audrey Kamisky. Kaminsky, friend of APT, was making fun of me so much because uh, I guess that's also another good update. I went to go visit her. She was making fun of me because I was like exuding such Virgo energy, I feel like. Um, Yeah. I don't really have any kind of like affinity towards like star signs or like, I I have no idea, like Bianca, you're a cancer. I have no idea Mm -hmm. what that means. But like, I feel very strongly that I know like what a Virgo means and I feel like it's so funny because on TikTok or like any other like social media platforms I feel like everybody avoids like talking about Virgos and I feel like it's because people are like scared of us you know they're like oh you know based on your you know horoscope this is what your bedroom would look like this would be like your mansion (laughs) nobody does Virgo and it's because they would get it wrong and they know it (laughs) because they can't pin us down it's such a Virgo thing to say such a Virgo thing to say well enough about me and my plot to destroy the universe how about you (laughs) well um your girl went to the cape for the first time (laughs) and what happened at the cape and at the cape your girl also got covid for the first time so that has been basically all of july (laughs) i've been sick a apt wedding took place in june juliana poro APT fashion expert did get married. It was fabulous. The whole Martucci Fink, Poro, Clan, Turners, we were all there living it up, having a great time. Then went to the Cape for the 4th of July slash my Cancerian birthday and uh, came back with COVID. Spent like two weeks, you know, in quarantine and then got out of quarantine and currently I have this horrific cold and I went to the doctor because just I've just been coughing for the for the entire month of July and the doctor was like I think you just coincidentally got a really bad viral infection right after you got COVID so um but July still been great still favorite month of the year lots of birthdays in july two of my best boston girlies have had july birthdays as well so it's been fun to celebrate with people here and definitely do some fun fun summer things i did karaoke for the first time past weekend oh yeah how was that it was so fun it was for a birthday party and with my friend's birthday this past week she was like oh we're gonna do karaoke the private room i was like oh my gosh my first time like i'm so nervous but it was literally so much fun and now i feel like i've done the private room i actually feel like 
having watched people do it on the main stage, I think I could go for it, you know? Mm. Yeah, I've only done karaoke once, and it was probably not as cute of, like, a vibe <laughs> as I'm imagining you guys doing karaoke in. It was definitely, it was like, a dive bar in Tulsa, like, two years ago. Oh, that would be fun, too, though. I mean, it was a good time, but also what did there you was, sing? like... Um, I think I sang a Rihanna song, which... Oh, bold. Yeah, it's probably, it was not great. I probably disgraced her. (laughs) You sang a Lady Gaga song, didn't you? Of of course I did. Um, That's the only... I was literally practicing this past week in the shower. (laughs) I've been taking the longest showers because I've been coughing so much. And so I'm trying to, you know, embrace all the steaminess. And so... My sticky shoes. That's it. I was, like, literally, like, (laughs) don't you stick on me. Like, trying to... Hey, Smelly cat. Smelly cat. Like, just, like, trying to, like, have my coffee cool girl voice. And so I was practicing in the shower this week. Spotify, they, they just know. They know exactly what I need at all times. And... We're going to get into this in a second, but obviously Chromatica is here. She has arrived and graced her presence on this earth. Of course, I'm just like fucking obsessed with it. I was on Spotify looking at the set list for the concert. And then Spotify populated this Lady Gaga deep dive playlist. And it is, when I tell you it's the best playlist on the face of the planet, like I'm not fucking lying. Like it's (laughs) so good. And it's all these Lady Gaga songs, but it's not like the number one hits from the radio. And only Gaga dupe tracks. It is all of like Bianca's hits. You know what I'm saying? Even though like her other hits are still my hits. It's just like a little variety. And I have just been literally listening to it nonstop. And so I knew that if my ass was going to get up there and sing karaoke, it had to be a Lady Gaga song because that's obviously like one of the only songs that I feel like myself in. Like that is how I feel comfort in this world. Sure. And so I was hoping that they would have Fashion of His Love because that's why I was practicing in the shower. Because I feel like that's like... Oh, that's... um, I'm impressed. I feel like that's kind of a... Not like a... I would not pick that one. I would do something low stakes like Cherry Cherry Boom Boom. <laughs> Juice Gaga. <and> drugs, baby. <laughs> I just, I feel like, I feel like Fashion of His Love is an upbeat song, but it's, it's also in my vocal range, you know? Oh, is it? Totally. <laughs> totally. But sure enough, when I got to karaoke, they had an extensive Gaga library on there. And Speechless was on there. One of my all-time favorites. I can sing my heart out to that anytime. And mm-hmm. I did. And it was really fun. I love it. I love it. You know, you could have been basic. You could have sang, like, Shallow or something. And, you know, you went for it. So happy for you. Know that I am. Thank you. They did play Shallow on the main stage, like, after our time in the room was done. And some of the girls were like, you and Andrew should do Shallow. And I was like, no, no, no. But then they played Shallow. And I was like this close to grabbing the microphone. But some other people were already on the stage. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Feeling the drinks. Yeah. At at that point, was feeling very confident in myself. And uh, but someone like, thank God they grabbed the mic before me. (laughs) One girl did do Bad Romance. And like that would have been another great option, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, man, what a great karaoke update. Um, yeah, I know you guys were like really concerned about what I was doing for my friend's birthday party. No, you but. painted quite a picture. We love to see it. <laughs> this whole time I've been thinking of Ted Lasso when he oh my God. is like, does that commercial? Karaoke. Karaoke. Um, my friend's whose birthday was is from the UK and we met on Bumble BFF and the first thing we talked about was actually Ted Lasso and her boyfriend Alistair came over from London for her birthday and I asked her what is Alistair's like go-to karaoke karaoke song and she said it was Let It Go and I was like (laughs) that is so Ted Lasso. I mean it's like a dramatic one. Yeah so Ted Lasso though. Wow. How British of him. (laughs) Totally. Totally. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Well, what's up in the other, in the world of Chitty Chatty? Do we have any other final updates? Something else that I do want to mention because Gianna had uh, talked to me about it as like a potential topic for today was that Beyonce's Renaissance is coming out in like three days at the time Gianna and I are recording this, but it will be out by the time you guys are listening to this episode. So we are not going to talk about Renaissance today, but I really hope that it is as Renaissance-y as we are thinking it might be. Are we gonna get the ABT visuals that we deserve? Which I think we will, but we, we will see. Not gonna, not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna, just gonna think it in my head and know that we're all thinking the same things. And I mean, we have some equestrian vibes already, yeah. and uh, we are anxiously awaiting Queen Bee's next album. The other thing is that shortly after our episode airs, I will have gone to the Chromatica Ball in New York and Lady Gaga on the first stop of her tour um, did a post that said um, welcome to my museum of brutality mm-hmm. and I sent it to, to our cousin Juliana who's going to the concert with me and her response was brutality I'm scared <laughs> So I feel as Juliana though, really like fears Gaga, doesn't she? Like she's I scared feel of like sour she, candy. she is. She does not like. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I'm oh like I don't think you like Gaga. I think you fear her. <laughs> I'm too afraid. <laughs> you and your fear. <laughs> I feel as though come, uh, uh, you know, down the line a few episodes, we may need to do a Chromatica part two because our first Chromatica episode that aired in 2020 is labeled, is titled Chromatica part one because we thought that shortly after we would get, we would be able to do part two, but part two never came. So I feel as though with the Museum of Brutality, that I will be going to. 
we might need to do an episode on Chromatica slash potentially Beyonce's Renaissance. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we really need to finish that out. Um, yeah, we, that'd be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be a nice full circle moment. So, anyways, catch Bianca in the not, you know, in the pit with her little like pen and pad taking notes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I will. I'm gonna document when she does sour candy, and I'm gonna film Julia. <laughs> I'm here for academic purposes. <laughs> I am. I I'm am. So gonna like learn so much. I'm so gonna learn how to be a gay slut. I love oh. it. Oh my god, I can't wait for my lesson. I cannot wait. Teach me Professor Gaga. 101. Um so, so excited. those are just some like upcoming potential topics. And it, it's just for me, I wanted to recognize that by the time this is out, like we are fully aware that Beyonce's album will be out. And I'm sorry that we are not covering it today. On but on that time, note, on Gianna, should we get into some housekeeping? For sure. So because today's episode is basically all the art news stories that we haven't talked about in one summer recap kind of episode extravaganza, we are going to start this episode off with some housekeeping updates for the Art Pop Tarts. Art Pop Talk is switching up our monthly content schedule and releasing bi-weekly episodes every first and third Tuesday of the month. So again, we are keeping our Tuesday episode release date. However, we won't be dropping content every single week moving forward. And this is really big news for Bianca and I, but it is really what we believe is going to be effective and necessary in moving forward with the podcast and also keeping up with our other professional experiences outside of the podcast. So Bianca, thoughts on housekeeping? Yeah, and just to reiterate what Gianna said, APT is not going anywhere. Gianna and I just have to space out how we plan and are able to deliver content. So this is gonna be really exciting, but another thing that we would like to have happen is on the first episode of every month, so that first Tuesday, that is going to be generally a topic-themed episode. Like for today, we are obviously doing everything we missed over summer break, potentially in September, it might be a Renaissance recap. And then that second episode of every month is likely going to be a guest episode. So we are still going to keep our guests. We definitely want to feature all the amazing people on this show. Um, but just so you know, that's kind of how Gianna and I are planning structures is you'll get a topic episode and a guest episode every month. So that really about does it. We know that we have been gone for far too long, and we hope that everybody also had a safe and great summer. And we are really excited to just get back to it, keep making content uh, for you guys that is, again, also hopefully more effective, more impactful, and meaningful as we move forward. So I think all good things. Oh my gosh, should we get into today's Art Pop Talk? Thank you. 
I am so excited. <laughs> Please. Please give me today's art pop talk. Please serve me some art pop talk. So for today, we are bringing you mega art news. These mini art news stories will cover some of the highlights from the summer that Bianca and I were craving to talk to you all about. We truly could not believe all the things that happened when we were off. This time, I am not throwing away my shot. (laughs) And we are covering all of the stories now. Well, not all of them. Most of them. The good ones, the juicy the ones, ones that are that are still churning out that content for us. Um, <laughs> thanks for the uh, the other musical Easter egg. Uh, I, I like that one. Throwing away my shot. Or, yeah, that's you know a good it one. always like pains me to quote Lee Manuel Miranda, but you know it <laughs> seems astute for this episode. <laughs> so, what did I miss? Chapter one. I would first like to talk about some of the climate change protests we were seeing in museums. At the time when this happened, this was the big one, uh, being the action taken towards the Mona Lisa at the Louvre at the end of May, which is still pretty big. I'd say that one was up there in terms of some of the protests that we saw, but We'll get into it a little bit later. There was recently another protest that took place uh, towards Botticelli's work of art. So with protest comes performance, and as we all know, and what we are noticing is that these climate change activist protests in museums are using really disruption or the action of disruption as a social movement not an uncommon tactic for protests by any means but i find it interesting that what is being disrupted in the physical space is kind of like mundane in relation to like a museum space you know people are just like ah you know being quiet like looking at art like minding their own business (laughs) like you know it's not like you're in the middle of maybe like a more highly densely kind of like populated area but the action or the protest in relation to the work of art that they are attaching themselves to in these protests, I think is quite disruptive to perhaps the art canon, or at least the way in which we talk about what should be included in the canon and how we talk about art and pop culture. Because now we are, you know, the kind of thinkers who would add this occurrence in the next chapter of, for example, Mona Lisa's journey (laughs) that she has been weaponized and or threatened kind of depending on how you look at the protest i think it's a little bit of both for this political opinion there was another climate change protest at a museum in june and then another one happened mid-july at london's royal academy of arts where protesters from a group called Just Stop Oil glued themselves to a copy of Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper and spray-painted, quote, no new oil on the wall below this uh, historic copy of The Last Supper. Associating your protest with a historic work of art is also not new. I see maybe why art is an easy target to attach yourself to because in some ways there are connections to your 
politics and museums because museums are most times government institutions. And a lot of times there is also symbolism in the objects that are, you know, being chosen to to showcase these performances and and to attach them to these protests. Um, some of the works that we notice is a trend with these protests is the, obviously the nature aspect, the environmental aspect, um, the religious aspects. I think Mona Lisa is interesting and she is always somewhat of a target just because of her overall historical significance and because in that respect there's always a line of hundreds of people waiting to come see her so maybe that wasn't so much of a mundane experience because there is so much foot traffic and there's always eyes on her so that is interesting to kind of think about I don't know Bianca if I was ever like to to go back for my master's let's just say like just humor me perhaps like maybe this is my thesis or maybe this is just my coffee table book idea but I think you know there's merit in both I just love you know a shitty history on the art of shitty protests (laughs) like I love nothing more than some like good old-fashioned cringy protest art and I would even be so happy to like submit my own work into the mix like from freshman year you know where I thought I was like being like so deep and it just like was like not it you know what I mean I don't know what you think about all these protests happening how you feel about art and protest being combined and then also Bianca's going to share her thoughts on the most recent protests that we got. Yeah, I think all of this is super interesting, but before we get into a little bit of the meat of it, I want to bring this story up because coincidentally as I was prepping for this episode, I saw that the news had come out that another protest had taken place this time at Florence's Uffizi Gallery and Um, You know, somewhat selfishly, I'm like glad that we're not on break and have kind of a full circle moment where we can really talk about summer beginning to end a little bit in terms of protest. And it's still very much relevant as it's still happening. And we just had this heat wave and all this stuff. So I'm going to read from an art news article that, quote, on July 22nd, a man and a woman from the activist group Ultima Generazione glued themselves to the glass protecting the painting of Botticelli's Primavera with the help from a third activist who had unfurled a banner reading Ultima Generazione, no gas, no carbon, which uh, means last generation, no gas, no coal. That's the rough translation. Um All three of the protesters were removed from the gallery by security, and it is unclear if they will be charged over the incident. Um, And according to the Uffizi, no damage was done to Primavera as she was covered by glass. A gallery spokesperson told the art newspaper that it took 20 minutes to clean the glass covering the work of art after the protest. Quote, if there had not been the special protection of glass, something that the museum management put in place with all its major masterpieces a few years ago, then the work would be badly damaged. The protest group, The Last Generation, said in a statement on their website, 
that the protest posed no risk to the painting. Quote, we consulted restorers who advised us to use glue suitable for glass and frames. In the same way that we defend our, our artistic heritage, we should be dedicated to the care and protection of the planet that we share with the rest of the world. Ultima Generazione said on Instagram that they targeted the painting given its subject matter. It represents, quote, with a finesse of detail that borders on the encyclopedic more than 500 botanical species that bloom precisely in the months of spring. This is a reality that we are in danger of losing. In a statement released by Just Stop Oil, one of the protesters said that she was um, taking action because the government plans to, quote, license 40 new UK oil and gas projects in the next few years. This makes them complicit in pushing the world towards an unlivable climate and in the death of billions of people in the coming decades. So I have a lot of thoughts. Gianna, do you have a reaction to the Primavera situation? I mean, I have a reaction, but I'm well aware that it's, like, not helpful, right? (laughs) Like, my maybe, like, candid thoughts, like, I I also understand that I am not producing a solution, but a lot has happened this summer that makes me feel like the world has gone to shit, right? Roe versus Wade was overturned, and I live in a particularly red state where it's going to be increasingly hard for me to have access to a safe abortion. Um... I don't have anything constructive to say about that. <laughs> In terms of protests, like, it's always really sad when art is formed out of something tragic. Of course, that's the point of protest, is that it, you are protesting something that is harmful. I just, it's hard to advocate for something that's kind of fighting fire with fire, but also, like, I'm never gonna, like, be for the like aggression towards art in order to make your point kind of come across but it's also hard because it's like same team like obviously I am here to save the planet like we all want things to happen but it also makes me sad and I think I'm also like grappling with my feelings about it like I don't know if I really have a productive solution or reaction to share. I don't know. How do you feel? I mean, that's actually super interesting because I feel like I am a little bit more on a not opposing side, but maybe I feel a little bit more strongly like in favor of the protests. I think mm. that just especially what we've seen across the globe these past few weeks with record temperatures, but especially in Europe where many people don't have AC in their homes, like this action is needed and no damage was done to Primavera. I found it super interesting that the protesters actually said that they consulted someone who has experience in restorative practices for this protest because they are conscious human beings in that way. And no damage was done to this. But no damage was done to Primavera, but... In other protests that happened, people were gluing themselves directly to the frame. So I'm right. like, where's and, the line? Right. And I think for me, that's probably the line. Because it, here's the thing. like, in For my perspective, if we don't make these significant climate changes now, 
there won't be any need to protect these works of art in the end because it won't matter. No one will be here. Yeah. And like, what are we saving these works of art for? Like for our future, what future do we have? I am all for cultural and historic preservation in a respectful sense, but there won't be anyone around to see them and to preserve them if our climate is burnt to the ground. And so like, I'm kind of in the camp, like keep doing it, keep doing it. I'm not advocating for their destruction though. I think that there is a, like in a sense, a very smart way to go about a protest. And I think that museums are an excellent space for that because Art has always been a form of protest and disruption. We have artistic movements because they act as a disruptor of the past. And I think that's what art does. So like, by all means, continue to use art to do what it was intended to do in the first place. These works of art are famous and have cultural significance because they are culturally significant and they oftentimes indicate a shift or a measure of culture and we need to take stock of our climate and our our culture now art has always made the world a more beautiful place and i want to keep living in it so and it's it's weird to say this but if a few pieces of art get damaged to to really make people look at what's happening is that what it's going to take because our climate is burning our planet is burning and we just saw record temperatures across the globe and people aren't doing anything about it and like we're seeing all that stuff with kylie jenner and her 17 minute jet ride how is my like recycling and not using plastic bags and you know not buying plastic going to balance out Kylie Jenner taking her private jet everywhere. So like, mm-hmm. by all means, be a disruptor. And again, I, I'm not actively advocating for destruction of cultural objects, but something needs to be done. And I think that with the example of Primavera, I think it was really, it, it's it's a significant marker in the fact that they specifically said they they don't want to destroy the work of art but they they need to disrupt something in the like mundane routineness of looking at objects of cultural significance and i think it's great that they were conscious about how they were enacting that performance yeah yeah i think that's like an incredible perspective to have i think that's that's really fascinating and everything you said was super astute you know about the disruption of protest versus the disruption disruption of what is an everyday occurrence you know for the making of an art object and putting that out into the universe um both are accomplishing the same things it's just ways in which they come about right so yeah perhaps some of my kind of like feelings about it yeah it's like do I just need to kind of get over it like for the greater good but also I do think that some of these protests are better than other ones happening and I am nervous about what is going to be 
like an actual necessary art casualty versus an unnecessary art casualty. Like I'm not really sure what smearing like cake on the Mona Lisa accomplished, um, but I appreciate like the conversation and the the uh, intent behind some of these other protests that are are happening, the conversation and the act. Um, and I haven't heard much about, you know, the the person who faked a disability to be able to to create that action against the Mona Lisa. I feel like we haven't gotten too much follow up about that one either. So um, I think that we're going to see more of this and I don't think that it is stopping. So I think it's something to kind of keep keep your eyes peeled on. I will say we have gotten a lot of stories though about gallery docents and museum docents and there's been stories about them being essential workers and how they are protecting the arts. So it would be really kind of interesting to get like a current um, museum docent or gallery guards maybe take on this and how that's affecting their everyday lives and maybe what is going on in terms of like a training situation, which I'm sure is not happening in museums, probably aren't providing. So (laughs) moving forward, next topic, we cannot not give updates on the art history comp one classic tale of (laughs) repatriation, the freaking Elgin marbles, folks, over the summer break, the fucking British Museum of Art dipped its toe into the conversational pool for the first time in a hot minute. And really, I feel like this was just a big fucking tease per usual. So um, I will link a Smithsonian article for you all if you want to follow literally the mediocre update that we got. When we went for break, I was so mad. I thought we were going to get oh my God, you know, the Parthenon sculpture content that like we all deserve, they're going to get given back. Oh my, like this was big news. And then it was just silence. And I need to talk about the silence, but I'll quote the last paragraph of this article, which I thought was kind of chef's kiss. Quote, whether the British Museum in the United Kingdom might consider such an agreement remains to be seen. Meanwhile, the two-century controversy about the fate of the ancient friezes will prevail, and millions of visitors a year will view the artwork in the country that preserved or plundered them. So, like, who knows, right? (laughs) Like, (laughs) forever, who knows? I think history has just doomed us to talk about this forever with no progress. However, there was a spicy art news story that came out also mid-July from the New York Times, um, which I will read for you now. Quote, a solution may be on the horizon. Roger Michael, executive director of the Institute of Digital Archaeology, believes the conflict can be resolved with the help of 3D machinery. No, it can't, Roger. His research consortium, based on the University of Oxford, has developed a robot with the ability to create faithful copies of large historical objects. In June, the robot began carving a highly detailed copy of one of the Parthenon marbles on display at the British Museum, a life-sized head of one of the horses. 
This prototype will be used to carve a new one from a block of marble actually quarried on Mount Pentilicus, the main source of the stone for the construction of the Acropolis. However, some archaeologists who have supported repatriation expressed unease regarding the source of funding, the lack of public consultation, and the whiff of British imperialism. Uh, yeah, did you catch my bias tone? No fucking shit. So, oh, once I have the technology to create a carbon copy of the shit that we took and stole from you, only then will we give you back the original. Also, we have had no updates as far as conversation goes with the British government and the Greek government, but we got the story about this fucking robot, right? So I'm like, this, we've just, it's been silent with the conversations between the governments, but then we casually, and no one is talking, like, like I saw this article was, a new, again, it was a New York Times story. I shared it on our story, but like, I didn't see like Artnet shared it or all these. And I was like, this is the follow-up I feel like that we need to talk about based on the last conversation we got with these two governments. So I am fascinated also with how this query operates and if the government has a hand in it. And I'm kind of like kicking myself because you can see this mountain like from the Acropolis. That's kind of one of like the interesting like factoids, you know, when you're like taking your tour, like look over there, like that's where the marble is. and. I am just curious if the government has a hand in it or if it is like a private company. I would highly doubt it based on the historical significance of this marble that is still also being used to make repairs to the Acropolis. So why my question is that nobody seems to be able to answer is why the Greek government is allowing this guy, Roger Michael, and the UK government to source this marble to fund their own project. Wildly fascinating. Wildly fascinating. Ooh, it feels good to say that. Ooh. I, I, uh, this is bananas. <laughs> Cuckoo bananas. Oh my god. <laughs> Miss Culture Quota. Um, <laughs> this is the most cuckoo bananas shit that I've heard in so long. Because if I am... <laughs> it is to my recollection that when the uh, new Acropolis Museum was being built, obviously we know it houses uh, basically the holes for which will be replaced by the uh, Elgin marbles, whatever, like the, <laughs> the marbles have a long decrease. Because <laughs> uh, now that they have a place to be properly stored and cared for in the museum. It is my recollection that the British government had said, hey, Greece, you don't have the means to take care of these objects. So you know what the Greek government did? They built the new Acropolis Museum, which is house and take fantastic, care of fantastic by their the way. own objects. It is an incredible museum. An incredibly... And- <laughs> 
thoughtful museum in terms of the architecture does not obstruct the view of the Acropolis, I would just like to add. And the fact that it's like they have those clear glass walkways so you can see the ancient ruins beneath you. And like it's, it's the it's exact like... same dimension of the Acropolis. So when you are circumambulating the space, you can actually think about... It is still about... the same experience. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... And Gianna, this is so... Like... How are they getting that that marble also? Like, I how don't are they know, bitch. No that? one will tell me. <laughs> like, what? And, this and the, just the, uh, the fucking audacity to be like, listen, listen, Grace. I got to take more I've of your got, marble. I've got this robot. Hear me out. <laughs> I'm going to take more of your stuff to build a replacement for your stuff. If I have to give your things that I took back to you. But we're, we're going to be even because don't worry, I still took some stuff from you. It's just like freaky. That like, you will I need don't... from me when you are when you need materials to restore the Acropolis. Like, I just like, don't understand. I've got some words for Roger Michael. Like this guy has no idea what he's gotten himself into. He's just like, ooh, I'm into robots. <laughs> like, let me get myself in the mix of a century-old debate. Like, <laughs> you know what would be fun? I'm just gonna. This guy is stirring the motherfucking <laughs> pot. Like, the marble stir of of a millennium. Like. I, I am just Why in shock is this that... the thing that you're going to do? Like, how, I just like, really? No, this is what, you know what, dude? Carve it in your gravestone with the fucking robot that you built because I hope this is the hill that you're willing to die on. Like, it's not for me, but maybe it is for you. I don't know. Well, speaking of taking things that don't belong to them, um, I have another doozy of a, of a story that I am also like extremely fascinated by. And this is another one where I feel like the news dropped and then it was just like radio silence. Like I have, I have no update for you guys on this story, but I'm just, I want to know more. So uh, back in May, I was watching, you know, CBS mornings like I do. And uh, they, one of the head, one of the headlines was just like, Louvre director indicted. I was like, what? (laughs) What? So, um... To quote the art art newspaper, they wrote, quote, the former director of the Louvre, Jean-Luc Martinet, was charged back in May, which comes as the latest revelation of the investigation into the alleged traffic of antiquities from the Middle East. According to an official legal source, Martinet has been charged with, quote, complicity of gang fraud and laundering of antiquities allegedly smuggled from Egypt and purchased by the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Martinet, who has become France's special ambassador for the cooperation on cultural heritage and is supposed to deliver a report to President Emmanuel Macron on restitutions to African countries, has been placed under judicial control. Uh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) He was director of the Louvre from 2013 (laughs) to 2021. Uh, According to a source close to the investigation, Martinet is blamed for not having paid enough attention to 
certain doubts expressed by the author of an Egyptology article, uh, Mark Gabold from the University of Montpellier. And so Gabold expressed these concerns about the conditions um, of, a, of an export of a stele from 1933, uh, and it was exported in that year by an officer of the German Navy. So this guy, Gabold, told another publication that he's convinced that, quote, Egyptologists and curators were cheated by thugs and were not accomplices of the traffickers, but actually their victims. So in June of 2020, a French judge charged um, the Parisian expert and dealer Christophe Kuniki with criminal conspiracy, gang fraud, and laundering. So the Parisian headquarters of the French agency for the Louvre Abu Dhabi was raided at the time. And French investigators planned to travel to New York to exchange information with someone named Matthew Bogdanos, the head of the Trafficking Antiquities Unit at the District Attorney's Office, who has been investigating this trafficking ring since 2013. Kuniki, who... apologize, probably like saying that wrong, who has also denied any wrongdoing uh, when he was previously questioned by the art newspaper, sold a golden sarcophagus to New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art for 3.5 million euros in 2017. And this was subsequently seized by DA Cyrus Vance and returned to Egypt. Criminal investigations in France and the U.S. have extended to Germany, the U.K., and Dubai. They are now focusing on nine other objects purchased by the Met and the Louvre Abu Dhabi for a total of more than 50 million euros from Kuniki and Dib. According to a source close to the investigation, a spokesperson for the New York Museum declined to comment on the specifics, but says that its, quote, employees were deceived by this criminal conspiracy, and the museum has been fully cooperative throughout this investigation and will continue to be so. Um, I just, like, I'm wildly fascinated by the trafficking and smuggling of art objects, let alone how <laughs> how these major museums can, like, quote-unquote, be fooled. Like, you foolish of me uh, from the, by these people. Like, I just feel like, do, do we not have provenance? Like, is it, are they just looking at, like, fake pieces of paper? And they're like, yeah, it looks good to me. <laughs> you know, like, what is the, like, what is going on? Bianca, I feel like it's so, like, also, like, naive of you to say, like, oh, yeah, like, well, yeah, this paper, like, they know full well. They just don't want to know. No, right. They know that we know we know. Right. No, exactly. So for them to be, like, Oh, we we were we were deceived. What is that? Um, oh. That like jaw rule. I was bamboozled. I was unaware. You know, with the fire vest, that tweet. Like, oh my gosh, I was you bamboozled. You were full aware that this is sketch, and you don't care because if anything goes down, you're just gonna use the sketch people who sold you the object to blame it on them and and to be your scapegoat, and then you will 
forever be the person who continues to maintain and house stolen artifacts for the test of time. I also love how they were like, we're gonna we're gonna talk to some guy named Matthew (laughs) about antiquities and I'm like it doesn't really seem like we're following like a really straight thread here. Like No, and I apologize for because the reading of that article probably sounded so scrambled, but the article will be linked for you guys on our resource. It 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 is scrambled. Like there are so many moving parts. No, but literally they were you you said verbatim, French investigators plan to travel to New York to exchange information with someone named Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> he is the head of trafficking antiquities at the district attorney's office, which I didn't know was a thing, but that's a cool that that's a job. Well, I really I didn't know hope that, was that a job. Matthew has his life together. And... Yeah. Hopefully, I don't know, we'll get an update about this. Which Yeah, Matthew probably has stock in uh, Roger Michael's Institute of Digital Archaeology. <laughs> Actually, Matthew you and Roger like are the going. same person. This has just been one big conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so I don't know what's happening with that, but I just thought it was like something interesting I wanted to talk about. I mean, it's, yeah, I think it just goes to show, too, I think when we get these, like, headlines or these big news stories in kind of, like, any respect, like, we are, we feel like, oh, we're so in the know, we're no the know about it when it comes out, big news, but then we also don't follow up on a lot of different things, and... Well, Matthew's been, uh, he's been investigating this trafficking ring since 2013, so I... <laughs> And it's just, it's one of those things that you unfortunately know exists, and we know that the black market exists. We know that a black art market exists, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's, it's interesting when those like little nuggets come into popular knowledge, and uh, that's it. That's all we're going to (laughs) get. Man. Well. Yeah. Good, good art news update. That That's all one. she wrote. That's all she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me up in a you know the next five years. Maybe there'll be <laughs> something. I might uh might uh call over to uh, Matthew's office see if he's got any good uh, tea for us. <laughs> I hear you're someone. <laughs> I read an article about you. <laughs> um. I don't know. I my in light of all like the terribleness, my heart is actually full of like such joy to be able to get my thoughts out in the world and I am so privileged to have a dumping ground in which I call Art Pop Talk. <laughs> art Pop Talk is uh, also changing its name to just the dumping glorified ground of the dumping world. ground of Gianna's brain. I love it. I love it. Honestly, that's I've needed you guys. Hashtag Virgo energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it feels very good to be back. Um, we will obviously keep you posted across social media with updates. Uh, again, it's been a little bit of a hiatus on our social channels, but Gianna and I definitely needed a little bit of a mental break um, and just needed to refresh and replenish and 
figure out a better content strategy for us to give to you all moving forward. So we will be back in two weeks. Our next episode will come out on August 16th. We have a very, very exciting, truly a an honored guest to be on the show for August 16th. It is very exciting. And as per usual, you can follow us on all of the regular channels. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. And Spotify just included this handy-dandy little rating button. So if you want to rate us on Spotify, if you're a Spotify listener, please do. We would love that. And if you are an Apple podcast listener, do the same over there as well. If you like our content and want to keep it going, help support the show, you can Go to our website, artpoptalk.com. Look for our Buy Me a Coffee page. Search Art Pop Talk on Buy Me a Coffee. Just donate a little something to the show. You can find that link in the show notes below this episode, in our link tree, in our handles across social media. And with that, Gianna, we will talk to you in two Tuesdays. Bye, everyone. Bye. Art Pop Talk's executive producers are me, Bianca Martucci-Fink. And me, Gianna Martucci-Fink. Music and sounds are by Josh Turner, and photography is by Adrian Turner. And our graphic designer is Sid Hammond.